What's up, family? Pastor Miles here, Miles McPherson, Pastor of the Rock Church. Welcome to our Good Friday Service 2020. Uh, we are praying for you, been praying for you, praying for our world as it's reeling from the coronavirus. And we are declaring a miracle over your life, health over your life, over your family, over our city. And I pray this message would set some of you free. I know that there's a lot of fear and anxiety on our community and on the world. But there is safety and security and peace in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we are today declaring that over you and declaring that over our city. And I pray that you would take advantage of this next, these next few minutes to make sure that what we're talking about is real to you. That it's not some theory in your head. A lot of people come to church and they know about, oh, it's Good Friday, it's Easter, Easter weekend. Easter's going to be in two days. Please come uh, and check it out. But that it's real to you. It's not some religious ceremony that you're going through, that it's a relationship that can actually get you through the hardest times. And this is, these are the hardest of times all of us have ever seen in our life and generate for generations. And so um, we're going to be talking about that today. Listen, uh, two days is Easter, Sunday, Easter Sunday. We all know we're going to have six services. We're going to be um, 8, 10, 12, 2, 4, 6 all day. And we will also be on Fox 5 here in San Diego all day. Check service times uh, at that station. But they're going to be holding our services as well. We have a great partnership on Easter Sunday. We're hoping to reach the whole, whole San Diego County with the gospel. And we're very excited about that. Come on, come, let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. So uh, please hit the share button. Please hit the share button and share it with people, all, all your social media network and everybody you know. Uh, there's somebody that you probably think, that ah, they're not going to watch church. Let the Holy Spirit deal with that. You share it to everybody you know. Text your friends. Say, watch this right now. Text your friends. Say, watch this right now. Um, and so I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray that God would encourage you today and that God would let you know today he's right there with you and that he is much more than a church service. Much more than a loud preacher from New York. He's way bigger than this. Amen. So let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, I'm sure there's people watching this right now who are thinking, how can he be so happy? All this stuff is happening in our world and people can't eat and they're losing their houses and losing their money. But, Lord, I know in the end we stand on the rock, an immovable object, person in Jesus. And as you have gotten us through so many tragedies in our life, you will get us through this. But we're going to need to lean on something different. We're going to need to lean on you more than we ever have. We're going to need to lean on each other more than we ever have. And I pray that you would help us do that, that we would allow you to help us do that, and that we would humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that you may lift us up because you care for us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Come on. If you have a Bible, let's see your Bibles. Get your Bibles out. Listen, if you're a visitor, what we do is we lift our Bibles up and say word on the count of three. One, two, three, say word. Lift your Bibles up. Lift your Bibles up. Uh, let's turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, John chapter 15, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, fourth book of the New Testament, John chapter 15. I was thinking the other day how our culture has 
gotten to the point where our heroes are celebrities. Football players, baseball players, the guy who hits the home run, catches the touchdown, wins the Super Bowl, actors and celebrities that do things on TV and the movies, and those have become our heroes. Over the, ever since I've been born, we've always looked up to those people almost more than anybody. But since the coronavirus has shut all that down and opened our eyes up to the real heroes, <laughs> the people working in the hospitals, and we want to take a minute to say to all the people working in the hospitals, all the first responders, firefighters, the nurses, the EMTs, the police, the doctors, except all the, everybody who works in the hospital, no matter what you do, we want to take a minute and this, this, dedicate this message to you and say thank you to you. We acknowledge you. We are doing everything we can to help you, but we know we're very limited. But we're praying for you, for your safety, for your wisdom, and we pray that this coronavirus will be dampened and that it would, it would somehow go away and we would have victory over it. But I think our culture today is saying now we're all shutting our houses. All the celebrities and heroes are shut in the house saying we are honoring you. So we want to honor you, number one. We want to honor you. But I want to read a definition of a hero because once I read this definition of a hero, we're going to realize that, listen, those athletes and celebrities, they're not our heroes. They're famous people. They do great things. Listen, I was one of them. I played in the NFL. Yeah, but that I'm not a hero just because I can play football. We have to realize and understand what a real hero is. Now, of course, the celebrities get all the big money, right? And they're on TV, right? They get the autographs. And the nurses and the doctors and the teachers and all the people who serve us, and I know I'm leaving some people out, but all those people who serve us and get us going every day, they don't get the big bucks. But today, in this season, we realize without them, people die. A lot of times people die. And so I want to read a definition of a hero. A hero is a real person who in the face of danger, everyone say danger, danger, combats adversity through feats of ingenuity, courage, and strength. That's not a football player, at least playing football. That's not a baseball player. That's not a, that's not a movie star. That's a doctor. That's a nurse. That's an EMT. That's a firefighter. That's a police officer. That's all the people working in the hospitals. That's you. Uh, someone who, through ingenuity, courage, and strength, combats adversity with courage and wisdom. Thank you for doing that. I want to talk today about my hero because my hero is Jesus. He did exactly that. Now, one of the reasons that all the nurses and doctors are heroes like never before is because they are literally putting their life on the line. Literally, as you know, and I said this in our announcements, as a church and, and, and other churches as well, as a church community, San Diego, we are putting these N95 masks together because this thing right here can be the difference between life and death for someone. And our country has run out of these. Those people are heroes to go in with used masks. They are putting their life on the line, and some of them are dying. Jesus is my number one hero, and there are many, I have many, all the doctors and nurses as well, but Jesus is my number one hero because when he was born and came down from heaven to become a man, he knew he was going to die for us, and he did. And that's what today is about, the death of Jesus Christ. I want you to pay close attention to what I'm going to say about him because sometimes we don't realize what kind of death he died. For us and how significant it was. But I want to read John chapter 15. Here it is on the verse, John chapter 15, verse 12 and 13. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. 
Greater love has no one than this, than to lay one's life down for another. That is what our doctors and nurses are doing for us. And what they are doing for us is Jesus was a model to them, whether they realize it or not. He laid down his life for us, which is why what they're doing is so incredible. We are most like Jesus when we lay our life down for another person. I'm going to give you three reasons why he's my hero. Number one, he died for us. Say, Jesus died for us. He died for us. us. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, for even the son of man did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner. The Bible says the penalty of sin is death. Someone has to pay for your sin. You have to pay for it with your life or Jesus paid for you. He died to pay the price for your sin. He died as a ransom for us. That's why he's my hero. Now, I want, to, I want you to be very clear because, you know, we weren't there and you might have seen pictures of Jesus on the cross and he's talking to his mom and, you know, you could see his face in a movie. That's not at all what it was like. I want to read some verses to you that are going to describe the kind of death that he died. It wasn't like he died in his sleep. It wasn't like he died a nice peaceful death. It was torture and it started long before long before he was actually nailed to the cross. He died physically tortured, emotionally, mentally, socially, relationally, all those aspects of his life were torn apart. And when I read this stuff, I want you to understand the reason this is important. Because every, play, every way that he died, he was paying the price for every way we sin. And he was delivering you from all the death in your life so you could actually be free. That's why his death was so significant. That's why this service and message is so significant. Number one, he died with curses. His own disciple cursed. When they asked Peter three times, do you know Jesus? He said he began to curse and swear. This is Peter. Peter who walked on water. He began to curse and swear. Peter walked with him three years. He says, I don't know this man of whom you speak. A second time the rooster crowed and then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said to him before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. His own disciple cursed. I don't know the bleakity bleak. His own disciple. Then he was denied. He was, he was uh, betrayed with a kiss. His other disciple, Judas, it says, now his betrayer had given him a sign saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said, my friend, why have you come? Can you imagine being, being betrayed by one of your best friends with a kiss after three years of investing in him? The Bible says he was beaten, blindfolded, hit, and insulted. Luke 22, the men were guarding Jesus, began mocking him, beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded, prophesy who hit you. And they, and they said many other insulting things to him. They blindfolded him, beat him, and insulted him. The Bible says he was unrecognizable. If you've ever seen a picture of Jesus on the cross where you could see his face, the Bible says that's not true. It's somewhat insulting. 
If I get beat to where you can't see my face and then you make my death look sanitary, you're insulting me. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 14, the visage or visual image of his face was so marred more than any other man. You could not tell he was a man. It was, his face was beat because they blindfolded him and beat him. They blindfolded him and spit on him. And we're going to see in a minute, they pulled his beard out. Next one, it says they beat on his back. He pulled his beard out and spit on him. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. Did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Now, this is a man who had no sin. The Bible says he who had no sin became our sin. I know you admit you sinned. Jesus never sinned. And it says he gave his back. They took his clothes off, chained him with his back bare, and whipped his back 39 times with nine leather straps on a, on a wooden handle that had bone and metal chips in the straps. It's called the cat of nine tails, ripping the skin and muscle off the bone. He gave his back, and he didn't hide his face, and they pulled his beard out, and they beat his face with fists, rods, spit on his face. Then they nailed him, his nails and his hands and his feet. Psalm twenty-two, sixteen. They pierced my hands and my feet. They stuck railroad spikes through his wrist and one foot on top of the other through both his feet. We can't imagine that pain. It's impossible unless you go through it. And he hung there for six hours on the cross, hanging with the weight on those nails for six hours. And he, his lungs filled up with blood. And then lastly, they stuck a spear in his side. But one of the soldiers with the spear pierced his side and, came, and blood and water came out. The red blood cells and the white blood cells and plasma separated from stress in his body and they came out separate. He died a brutal death. That's why he's my hero. And on this day, we acknowledge that. In a minute, we're going to take communion to acknowledge that. But when he died on the cross, he was shedding his sinless blood to pay the price for you and me that we would not have to be condemned for our own sin. That's why he's my hero. Number two, he lives for us. Not only did he die for us, but he lives for us. 1 Corinthians 15 says, but now Christ is risen from the dead. This is what we're going to celebrate on Easter. This is good news. If he would have died and stayed dead, he doesn't do us any good. But he died and he rose, which we're going to talk about in two days, but it's significant because this completes the cycle. Now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Jesus lives for us. When I was a kid, Actually, when I, was, when I was like 20, 30-something years old, 40-something years old, I was in my house, and my mother called me and told me my father had cancer. And I remember where I was. I was in my bathroom, and the first thing that came to my mind was me thinking of myself as a kid and all the things my father did for me. He taught me how to throw a baseball, football, how to catch, how to run. He, he ran track, so he taught me how to run. There's a right way and a wrong way to run. 
taught me how to run. We had races on our block with all the kids in the neighborhood. He would come home. He was a cop. He would come home and not even put sneakers on. He would just go out in his, his detective uniform uh, clothes, and we would go to the park, and he would throw baseball at me, hit baseballs to me, throw football. And I started to think about all the things he instilled in me and did for me that I did not deserve. And I remember crying, thinking, I didn't deserve all that. And the guy who, just the, <laughs> this man who happened to be my dad did all this stuff for me. How his life impacted my life. Jesus died, he rose, and because he rose, he can live in you and instill in you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, power, clarity, purpose, vision. It's not that he died and you have to do some religious stuff and just go through the motions. He actually wants to live in you. And the fact that he rose from the dead proves that he's alive, ready to do that for you and want to give you that opportunity. That's why he's my hero because he's still changing me, living inside me and wants to live inside you. And number three, he died for us. He lives in us and for us. And he is praying for us. Look what it says in Hebrews. It says, therefore he is also to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. He is praying for you. This is, this is something you have to really understand. God's not mad at you. <laughs> You could, be, you could be sitting there going, man, you don't know what I did last night. You know, I messed up. I did this. You could be in prison or whatever. God ain't mad at you. He ain't mad at you. Now, you're going to pay for stuff and you're going to have to pay consequences. But God is so ready to forgive you right now. He's praying for you right now. Just read it. He died and rose from the dead. He's in heaven at the right hand of the Father praying for you. And when, as he prays for you and I pray to him, I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to say? He says, say this because someone out there needs to see it. I can't tell you how many people over my lifetime say, hey, when you were talking, you were talking to me. I said, I don't even know you. Why? God does. <laughs> God knows you. And he loves you. He knows your pain. He knows your anger. He knows the emptiness in your heart. He knows your anxiety. And he knows your need. But your greatest need is not money. It's not food. It's not a shelter. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. So in a minute, we're going to take communion. And when we take communion, we are acknowledging that Jesus' body was broken on the cross and that his blood was shed on the cross. And we are declaring the life that that blood gives, the new life. And when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you, your sins are forgiven and you inherit eternal life and you get to walk in abundant life now. Now he does something in your life. So in a minute, we're going to take communion. But before you do that, you need to ask Jesus to be your Savior. Because what you don't want to do is take this bread, and I hope you have it where you're at, whatever you have, 
crackers or juice or whatever, you don't want to take this bread and say, yeah, Jesus' body was broken. Yes, his blood was shed for me. I acknowledge that, but I reject him. You don't want to do that and say, I acknowledge that this happened and I acknowledge that his, his blood was shed and take it while at the same time saying, but he's not my savior. You don't want to do that. You want to make sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So in a minute, I'm going to pray and give you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be your savior. Then we're going to take communion. So if you get some crackers, juice, bread, whatever you have in your house, grapes, you can even have grapes. Just the fruit of the vine. It's really the spirit of what you're doing. So in a minute, we're going to pray, and here's the prayer. It's very simple. It's not magical. When two people get married, they have vows, and those vows aren't magical. They actually legally don't mean anything. But it's the couple telling the audience in the world, these are the parameters of my relationship with this person. So the prayer is simple as A, B, C. One, A, admit that you're a sinner. The Bible says all of us are sinners. B, belief that Jesus is Lord, that he died and rose from the dead. And C, confess. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I confess. I agree. So in a minute, we're going to pray. I'm going to lead you through this prayer. And wherever you are, I would encourage you to say it out loud. When you walk with Christ, we walk with him in public. We are transformed right before people's eyes. Over time, God sees, people see that something's different about your life. I used to use cocaine. I stopped in one day. God did that. And some of the people who I did cocaine with are still in my life. They see. I don't do that anymore. It's not because I'm a good guy. It's because he is. My hero. Remember, Jesus died for you. He lives for you. He's praying for you. So if you would like to ask Jesus into your heart. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you are already a Christian, I want to encourage you right now to be praying for all those people who are not, who are struggling right now. The devil's lying to them. But I pray the Holy Spirit would break through those lies and those voices in their head. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for your faithfulness. If you believe you are a sinner and you would like Jesus to forgive you of your sin, in the privacy of your heart, by faith, pray this prayer. Pray, dear God, I believe that I am a sinner. I believe and admit the penalty of my sin is death. But I believe Jesus is Lord, that he died and rose from the dead. I confess my sins to him. Jesus, please forgive me. Please come live in my heart and be my Savior. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. By faith, I know somebody did that out there, so we're going to give you a, a big round of applause. God bless you. God bless you. If you prayed that prayer, 
I'm going to ask you right now to hit the share, the, the raise your hand button there on our website. Hit the raise your hand button and please share this video, uh, this sermon, this message out, the service out. And so we're ready to take communion. Now, if you just did that, that means you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the best thing you could do, first of all. We're going to take communion. Uh, it just so happens that this is a Passover week. Passover started Wednesday. And the Passover, if you ever heard that term, it is when the Jews were in slavery in Egypt. A couple million Jews were in slavery in Egypt. And Moses was pleading God, uh, pleading with God, but mostly with Pharaoh, saying, let my people go. Make a long story short, after nine plagues on the Egyptians, Pharaoh would not let the, the Israelite slaves go. Then after the tenth plague, well, right before the tenth plague, God told the Jews, I want you to put the blood of the lamb, get a lamb, put the blood of the lamb on the door outside your house. And when the angel of death comes to Egypt, the angel of death, when it sees the blood of the lamb, it will pass over your house. That's where we get the word Passover. Fast forward 2,000 years or so, Jesus has his last supper with his disciples. It's Passover. He is the lamb that was slain. Matter of fact, right before he was baptized, he was coming down to the river. His cousin John the Baptist said, the lamb of God that will be slain. It was his blood that would cause the angel of death to pass over us. God doesn't waste stuff. It's very strategic. So the last supper, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body that was broken for many. When we take this, we acknowledge what he went through for us. That his physical body was nailed, beat, spit on, his beard was pulled out, his face was marred, his back was whipped. His disciples denied him, that they knew him, betrayed him with a kiss. All those things, thorns put in his head, spear in his side, nails in his feet, in his hand, all that happened. He said, when we take this, we acknowledge that we know that, that he did that for us. Lord, we acknowledge that your body was broken. So we thank you, we honor you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Then he took the cup, said this is the blood of the new covenant. In the Old Testament, they would kill animals over and over and over again because their blood was not sinless. It was paying for sin temporarily. But they had to do it over and over and over again. Jesus' blood was sinless. So you just do this one time. So when we take this, we are acknowledging that we know his blood forgives sins, heals. And we declare the power of this blood over our world that it would cleanse us, that has cleansed us of our sin, but it also would bring healing to COVID-19 and eradicate it from the world. We are praying for miracles, miracles. Lord, we thank you for your death on the cross and we pray in the name, the powerful name of Jesus for healing, miraculous healing of our lands, miraculous repentance from our lands that people would bow their knee in your presence. 
We acknowledge that you are the Savior of the world. And so we take this acknowledging that, that we have, that we have cleansing power. There's cleansing power in the name of Jesus. And that your sinless blood that was shed on the cross is all we need to stand in the presence of our Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Sunday, we have Easter. And I want to encourage you over the next couple of days to be thinking about your life and your relationship with God, thinking about what Jesus has done for you. I want you to turn on the news and look at the sacrifice people are making on your behalf and ask yourself, what can you do? You can pray. You can call and encourage people. You can send people an encouraging text. There's a lot you can do to get your mind off you, self-preservation, and, and to live for others, which is what Jesus did. That's a true hero. And doing that in, your, in the safety of your home is, is, is in the safety of your home. But do it on behalf of those people who are putting their life on the line for us. That's the least we can do. And listen to the voice of God in your heart. In addition, listen. Get involved in church. Get involved in one of our R groups, our D groups, so you can have people in your life that can love on you and encourage you. Um, and then on Easter Sunday, uh, not only watch one of our services, but share this link, share that service, get as, and invite as many people to come to church, watch church uh, online. And again, we'll be on Fox 5 as well. But God is going to do something in your life if indeed you truly surrender yourself to him. God bless you. And by the way, if you want, I'm, I send out um, encouragements on Instagram every day. At Miles McPherson is my handle. At Miles McPherson, I'm sending them out every day. We want to stay connected with you. All our pastors as well here at The Rock are sending out our encouragements every day. We want to stay connected with you, especially during this time. We need to be closer than ever. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Lord, transform our land, transform our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.